0: Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Maybe. Shh. Services are provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC. Terms apply. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start
1: planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking.
0: the loop on this one because we've kind of pushed off our classics. Uh, We have a a couple coming up that are news-based, but we're like a month behind. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, this first one is about uh, Jacinda Ardern, who's the Prime Minister of New Zealand, who announced fairly recently, pretty suddenly, um, that she was going to resign her position. And it sparked this whole conversation about burnout because essentially that's what she said was i don't have enough gas in the tank anymore to keep doing this and doing it well um and then she talked about like hey let's get married uh with her husband who who is a celebrity by the way and there was some controversy in wellington paranormal because he's in an episode of wellington paranormal and people thought it was some kind of political move oh really um yes yes he's in the um the kind of like Giant sea monster one because yeah, I think he's like a fisher. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, it's got a whole section on their Wikipedia because when I was just kind of like, when are the new episodes coming out? I looked and it was like <laughs> this guy, has controversy. <laughs> uh, but me and Bridget did this episode a while back, um, because she was one of a very she's the second world leader, I believe, to give birth in office. Um, so it also started. A whole conversation about that and about pregnancy discrimination and just discrimination against women in general when they have kids um, and what they can do. And then also we've seen a lot with her COVID response Mm -hmm. compared to the rest of the world, but especially the U.S. So as always, we do have a bunch of people kind of lined up that uh, we're going to have classics and updates about them. You know, nobody's perfect. There's always problematic things, but there are reasons we wanted to talk about them. So... Please enjoy this classic episode. Hi, this is Annie and this is Bridget. And you're listening to Stuff Mom Never Told You.
2: Quick warning, just so y'all know, you can probably tell from my voice I'm under the weather, so I'm a bit sniffly and uh, more raspy than usual. Just FYI. Podcasting while sick. I'm a professional. Let's do this.
0: (laughs) You are a professional, Bridget. And another professional is the subject of this episode today. And that is New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern. Ardern was elected in October of 2017, the youngest prime minister the country has had since 1856, and if you haven't heard, she gave birth in June to a healthy baby girl, and she is only the second world leader to do so while in office. Wow, that
2: actually surprises me. It, on the one hand, good for her, but to only be the second person to do that is, is surprising to me. I'm like, oh, I would have assumed there had been more considering childbirth is a thing that we do.
0: <laughs> it's like we've spoken about before, Bridget, where it's, it's good— but it's sad that it's so good. <laughs> you know, like it's it shouldn't be only the second. That's kind of shocking. Um, but that is the case. She arrived to a public hospital in her own car, driven by her partner. She's the first leader to ever take maternity leave. She's going to be consulted and continue to read cabinet papers while she's away for six weeks. But yeah, she's taking maternity leave. Good for her. Right? (laughs) In an interview with Radio New Zealand, she said, I am not the first woman to multitask. I am not the first woman to work and have a baby. There are many women who have done this before.
2: I love that. I just love that she's someone with such a big platform is normalizing that it's okay to be a busy, successful working woman and also take maternity leave. I think it was Sheryl Sandberg who made headlines for not taking maternity leave and like, you know, if she didn't feel like she needed it, fine, but I just think a woman who is successful and driven and a working woman being like, yeah, I'm taking my leave and you can too, just really models that it's okay. It doesn't mean that you're, you know, doing a bad job at your job if you take the time that you need after you have a baby.
0: No, I would argue that recognizing that you need that time and that other things than work, <laughs> surprise, surprise, are important I think that's a mark of a good employee and someone who is good at their job and recognizes their limits. I think it's good. And I wanted to mention her partner is the host of a show called Fish of the Day, and he's planning on being a stay-at-home dad. And when asked why they're not married, Ardern answered, It sounds terrible because we're very committed to each other. Marriage is just not something we've really gotten around to. We haven't correctly sequenced, perhaps. And her partner, Clark Grayford, said he liked that they were doing everything in reverse.
2: <laughs> I like that, too. I mean, I, I mean, they are reflective of many, many, many sort of less traditional couples out there who are partnered, who live together, who don't live together, who have a, who are co-parents. Like, I, I don't know. I just think it's cool that they are illustrating and modeling what we all know is very true from just living in the world that not everybody who has a child is married together. That like there are all kinds of ways to be a family.
0: Yeah. I like that too. I mean, we all know it to be true, but we so rarely see it. I feel so. And
2: when we see it, I think we're like, even I know, you know, that this thing, this kind of thing exists. But when I encounter it myself, I'm like, Oh, you're not married and have a baby. Like it's, it's so hard to break that internal thing that's set up for by society that says, oh, to have a family, you have to be married, living in the same house, blah, blah, blah.
0: Yeah. When I was first reading about this, because a lot of listeners suggested that we talk about a talk about this, I was like, oh, she had a baby in office and she's not married. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) This shouldn't be shocking at all, because there are so many people that have these situations, very similar situations, Ardern is New Zealand's third female prime minister. And if you're wondering who the first world leader to give birth in office was, it was Pakistan's two-time prime minister, Benazir Bhutto. Both leaders were 37 when they gave birth, and Ardern's baby was born on what would have been Bhutto's birthday. She was assassinated in 2007. And while Bhutto hid her pregnancy as long as she could, Ardern let people know six months in advance.
2: So this is wild. Her pregnancy was such a big secret that most of her colleagues had no idea that she was even pregnant until she delivered the baby. A member of the cabinet said about it, quote, and then lo and behold, suddenly we learned that she was not only gone and delivered democracy, she's also delivered a baby. She got a C-section and returned the next day, not realizing that she was the first world leader to have given birth.
0: And this happened during a time of political turmoil in Pakistan. After having a baby, she made it through a vote of no confidence, and her government was facing an onslaught from a military-funded right-wing alliance. Bhutto later said, it was a defining moment, especially for young women, proving that a woman could work and have a baby in the highest and most challenging leadership positions. So they're kind of almost mere opposites in she sort of hid her baby <laughs> and went right back to work. Yeah, didn't take. She Cheryl Sandberg did. She didn't take. Cheryl she Sandberg did. That's gonna catch on. I know it. <laughs> um, months later, Buto's government was dismissed, and a rival came to power who criticized Buto as being quote greedy and that she was putting motherhood, domesticity, and glamour over her duties to the country.
2: But she how? Because she didn't even take time off.
0: Uh, I think it's because. When she was pregnant with her first child, the leader of the military sacked the government so that elections would be held when Bhutto was in the final months of pregnancy and hoped she would be unable to campaign as effectively. But they got the date wrong, and news of a baby on the way added excitement to the campaign.
2: Oh my God, people love a baby. People love a baby. Like when a celebrity or somebody is pregnant, people are like, oh my God, she's pregnant. Like, that that doesn't surprise me that that generated a level of... At least one excitement and publicity, but also maybe a little bit of goodwill.
0: Yeah, it definitely backfired. And some theories that maybe it didn't backfire, but Butoh purposefully spread misinformation about her due date.
2: Oh, that's actually diabolical. (laughs) Isn't it? Have you ever seen the movie Knocked Up? I have not. So one of the plot lines in Knocked Up is Catherine Heigl's character is like an e-news journalist. And she's an on-camera, like she interviews celebrities. And she finds out that she's has an unplanned pregnancy and she's terrified they're going to fire her, that like, you know, she can't be pregnant on TV. They're going to let her go, even though it's technically illegal to fire somebody for getting pregnant, but we all know it happens. And she is really surprised to find that they love it. They love her being pregnant. They love the idea of her interviewing other pregnant celebs and all of that. So it just reminds me of that.
0: Yeah, I think we've done uh, an episode on this show before about um, baby mania and why why people get so excited about celebrity babies in particular. And it goes back a long way. Or maybe maybe other people weren't as surprised by this as I was, but I remember reading, like, royalty. I guess that's obvious, but back in, you know, the 1700s England when royals were pregnant, it was very exciting and people would place bets on the gender and read every bit of news about it. So it's uh, it seems to be... Kind of a, it's not going away.
2: It's not. It's not.
0: So we have some more to talk about here. But first, we're going to pause for a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This
1: episode is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest
0: talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs, on-demand, temp to hire, part-time, or full-time. You name the position,
1: warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that.
0: Tennessee just sounds perfect, whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning
1: your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect.
0: And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Before becoming New Zealand's prime minister, Ardern served as the opposition labor leader. And on her first day of the job, she was asked... A lot of women in New Zealand feel like they have to make a choice between having babies and having a career or continuing their career. So is that a decision you feel you have to make or that you feel you've already made? And when the interview became focused on that and the right of employers to know if an employee or potential employee intended to take maternity leave, if it was acceptable for the prime minister to do so, instead of policy questions, Ardern got angry Quote, it is a woman's decision about when they choose to have children, and it should not predetermine whether or not they are given a job or have job opportunities.
2: Here, f-ing here, Ardern. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I just think that she, having someone so powerful be the person who is going through that and saying that and saying, yeah, like, I'll do what I want. It's up to me to decide when I have a baby. I have body autonomy and my professional life should be completely separate from that.
0: Yeah, and after this whole exchange, the uproar that followed propelled her to the front pages in newspapers around the world. She said that the dilemma she faced giving birth to a baby was no different than the one faced by most women in the workforce, or not in the workforce. Although it felt like she'd come out of nowhere, she had been working in politics since her teens, and she entered the New Zealand parliament at the age of 28. The excitement felt around the world at her appointment as prime minister has been dubbed... Jacinda Mania. <laughs> we love to give a, a catchy nickname to things. We do.
2: We do. A group called Hashtag Knit started a campaign of knitting baby clothes and blankets for hospitals and shelters in her honor, which I think is so cute.
0: I do too. Knitting is something that I always have wanted to learn, but I put it on the back burner like immediately. I have the thought, you should learn to knit. And then it immediately is like, maybe later
2: yeah I actually have seen so many interesting cases where knitting is sort of used as this like radical feminist art like like of reclaiming something that's domestic into something like radical like the woman who made those pussy hats for the women's march or um here in DC sometimes things get knit bombed where like people will knit things over them like if it's an offensive sign or something someone will like knit something and like drape it over um we should both we should we should learn how to knit by the end of the summer you and me
0: We should, and then we could do an episode and talk about it. And while we're podcasting, we'll be knitting, because we're women and we can multitask. (laughs) Seeing a woman hold this position of power is meaningful. One of Ardern's favorite things is seeing the faces of little girls light up when they see her. Quote, if they see a woman in a job like this and it has an effect, then that's wonderful. It is wonderful.
2: Yeah, I mean, there are probably so many little girls out there who will be inspired to go into public office because of her.
0: Yeah, I hope so. Um, When critics pressed Ardern about her ability to wear both hats, she responded, none of them detected I had a pretty bad morning sickness for three months of establishing the government. It's what ladies do.
2: So this could not be more true. I have this theory that women are more likely than men to go to work sick. Because as women, like, we just need to suck it up and go in. And, like, you don't want to seem like you're you know, weak or frail or blah, 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 heaven forbid. Like, I remember during the election when Hillary Clinton felt faint and all the news reports were like, oh, my God, is is she okay? She's old and frail and sick and she can't be president. Um, And it's like, no, she went to work with the flu, as many women do. Like, it's what we do.
0: Yeah, I agree. It kind of reminds me of when we did the Women in Pain episode and you made that joke about, the woman in the emergency room with the harpoon in your side. I'm fine. I don't want to be a bother. (laughs) Get to me whenever. I'll, I'll just be here. Don't worry about it. It's true. And we actually have some numbers behind that to back that up. But first, one last quick break for a word from our sponsor.
1: This episode is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring.
0: With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs, on-demand, temp-to-hire, part-time, or full-time. You name the position,
1: warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that.
0: The state of Tennessee
1: is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights.
0: Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start
1: planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring
0: Is what ladies do, and we're doing it more and more. In the U.S., where we are lagging way behind when it comes to maternity leave, Census Bureau data collected between 2006 to 2008 showed that 66% of mothers giving birth to their first child worked through their first pregnancy. If you look at data from the 60s, about 65% of pregnant women took off of work a month before birth, These days, that percent is at 18, while 82% of women work until within a month of due date. Women are also going back to work more quickly after giving birth.
2: Yeah, this will probably surprise no one. According to a Pew Research Center survey, they found that when compared to fathers, mothers were far more likely to face a workplace interruption like reduced work hours. So we're basically working more, but also being punished for it more.
0: Right. And no surprise, pregnancy discrimination is still a big thing in the US, and women who are pregnant or might become pregnant face demotions, missed promotions, or even possibly getting fired. Discharge makes up one third of complaints. Um, as of 2010 and 2015, the US Equal Employment Opportunity Commissions, the EEOC, and fair employment agencies at the state level had filed almost 31,000 cases of pregnancy discrimination. This despite the 1978 Pregnancy Discrimination Act making it illegal to deny women job opportunities or promotions because she is or might become pregnant. Across all industries, races, and ethnicities, women report pregnancy discrimination, but black women are hit the hardest.
2: That didn't surprise me at all. I've actually worked in places where there would be, if, so, if, if there was even a rumor that someone was pregnant, it would there were like a hush would fall over the, the office. And, you know, people, if, if you were wearing baggy clothes. Like, like it was almost like people were afraid that people would even just think, not even if you were, they would just suspect that you were pregnant.
0: Wow. <laughs> I had a, an office once where um, these people used to play, uh, some of my coworkers used to play a game called um, Fat, Fashionable, or Pregnant. And they would try to, like, based on your clothes, ascertain if you were just, if your baggy clothes was a fashion thing, or because you're fat, or because you're pregnant, which was uh, (laughs) a...
2: Sounds like a really classy game.
0: Yeah, very, very classy indeed. A report from the Equality and Human Rights Commission, the EHRC, from 2015, found that in Britain, 54,000 new mothers are losing their jobs annually, and that the number is up from a decade earlier. Another distressing stat is that 10% of pregnant women reported being discouraged by their employer from getting checkups for both mother and child after birth, and 7% reported a pressure to quit.
2: Wow, that is so messed up. Like, basically pressuring you to put your baby, your unborn child's life at risk by foregoing checkups.
0: Yeah, and, you know, now that you've had a kid, just, we don't need you here anymore. Just quit. Just leave. That's terrible. What a terrible work environment. Pregnant women have reported working harder, as we touched on earlier, to avoid the stereotype of being distracted and unable to concentrate. So clearly, we have a lot of work to do to to change this.
2: Yeah, we got to catch up. This is unacceptable.
0: It is. And we would love to hear from listeners around the world about what the situation is in your neck of the woods. And speaking of listeners, it's time for listener mail. Sophia wrote, I just wanted to say something about Anne Rice's hypocrisy regarding fanfiction. In spite of making an active effort to ruin people's lives for writing about her characters, including having her lawyers attempt to destroy unrelated small businesses owned by fanfic writers, she actually came out in full-throated support for Fifty Shades of Grey and E.L. James. Apparently, only her own intellectual property is to be protected. Anne Rice wrote a series of Sleeping Beauty erotic novels under the pseudonym A.N. Three of the books were written in the early 80s, and a fourth was released in 2015. In the series, Beauty wakes up to the prince raping her and is taken to his kingdom as a sex slave. Problematic, but non-con, non-consensual, and dub-con, dubious consent. Uh, Fantasies can be explored safely through erotica and fanfiction, if that's what people are interested in. The framing device of Rice's work pretty clearly establishes that the content is not how healthy BDSM relationships are conducted, in a way that Fifty Shades emphatically does not take that kind of care. There was a fair bit of controversy involving Rice shooting down any discussion on her Facebook page that was remotely negative about Fifty Shades and blocking a lot of people for expressing their concern that the series romanticizes abuse by not establishing that stalking and rape are not cool things for your boyfriend to do. I did have a thought in regards to the culture that surrounds slash fiction that you may not have been aware to cover. It's a negative aspect of the fandom which I hope will continue to disappear, There is, unfortunately, a great deal of internalized misogyny among creators of transformative fiction. In some cases, it's the part of the fic where the canon girlfriend is reduced to an out-of-character shrew who must be swiftly removed without the male characters looking bad for leaving cheating. It's the sort of thing I hope has fallen out of fashion, but it was one of the things that turned me off fanfiction a while back. There is so much value in these creative spaces, which are predominantly built and driven by women and girls, or in the case of the world I'm currently working on, women and a smattering of men and non-binary individuals. I think my main reason for bringing up the internalized misogyny, which can be tied to fetishizing MLM relationships, but not always, that can crop up is actually so that people who might have encountered things like that can keep looking for something that speaks to them, even if they're initially confronted with negativity. I have made close lasting friendships with people I have RP'd with, uh, role played with, and the right groups can become vital support networks. And I could definitely go on about the pros and cons of this sort of collaborative fiction, but I'm already writing far more than I meant to. Um, She also mentioned in regards to our action figure episode and the whole switch up of the Iron Man 3 plot so that there'd be a male villain action figure instead of a female villain action figure. They never even made the action figure. So it was pointless. It was all pointless. You know, I gotta say, I am
2: kind of here for this Anne Rice dragging. Like, who knew Anne Rice was... This much of a not so nice person. I think Ann Rice
0: is going to come for us. Um,
2: yeah, are we? Are we? Start is this? Is this the beginning of a new podcast feud? Does she have a podcast? <laughs> I don't know. Ann Rice, if you're listening, come on our podcast, you
0: coward. Oh man, <laughs> I'm going to have nightmares tonight. Ann Rice is at my door. <laughs> I did want to mention this because. Um, the internalized misogyny she's talking about that's something i have seen as well and i was always kind of confused by when i was younger like why is it that jenny from harry potter is suddenly just a horrible human person that is so one dimensional and this makes a lot of sense to me so i did want to did want to include that in there that it, it is unfortunate um, but a lot of times the girlfriend is reduced to just a, a shrill shrew that you need to get rid of very quickly Ugh, I hate that. Yeah, and the one time I wrote Harry Potter fanfiction, like, the only negative things I ever got was, like, can you please, like, why are you even including this character? Get rid of her. I hate her. So hopefully it is moving away from that. Um, and certainly there's so much more out there. So if you have been turned off by that, keep looking. Keep looking. It's out there for you.
2: Our next letter comes from Kirsten. Kirsten writes... I identify as bisexual because that was the first word I heard used that made sense for my identity. As many young people do, I started learning about sexuality via Tumblr and other online forums. I grew up in the rural Midwest and had an incredibly limited queer representation. When I saw the word bisexual online, with its definition of attracted to people of multiple genders, I was like, oh yes, that makes sense. At 17, I was searching for bisexual podcasts and came across a Sminty episode. And it made me feel so seen. I didn't hear the word pansexual until much later. I'm 21 now and in my first ever relationship, and my significant other identifies as non-binary. We've never talked about the ins and outs of the way I identify, but I know that they don't think about my identity excludes their gender in any way. When I started dating my significant other, I debated using pansexual more interchangeably with my bisexuality, but I still prefer my bi-label. I'm attracted to people of all genders, but the way I'm attracted to my partner is different from my crushes on boys, and those are different from my crushes on girls. They're all equal and all important to my identity. But I like the way people perform their gender. It just doesn't matter what gender it happens to be. It's been so great to see more bi and pan representation, and I'm so glad you guys talked about it. It will help teenagers and grown adults in the bi-pan spectrum feel seen and have even more room to understand their own identity. I'm with you, Bridget. Every time I think about Janelle Monet and Dirty Computer, my queer heart beats a little faster. This is such a nice letter. I'm so happy that folks out there are... You know, exploring their sexualities and exploring, you know, what it means for them, trying things on, deciding, you know, hey, I want to keep this label, even though this label also seems to fit me. You know, I think that we should all be a little bit more, uh, you know, open and fluid about about these things and really find the label or labels that speak to us. And Janelle Monet, how great is she?
0: <laughs> She's pretty great. I'm glad that all of that's happening as well, and I'm glad that we're having these conversations more often and more out in the open because I can tell you I never really heard about pansexuality or bisexuality when I was younger and I would have really appreciated <laughs> having more available to to me to learn about it. Definitely. Thanks to both of them for writing in. If you would like to write to us we would love to hear from you. Our email is momstuff at com.
2: You can also find us on the social medias. We are on Instagram at Stuff Mom Never Told You and on Twitter at Mom Stuff Podcast.
0: And thanks as always to our producer, Kathleen Quillian. <laughs> To start
1: planning your trip, visit TNVacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop.